The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Recently, we worked with Hims and Hers in New York City, and it was about all things sex. And we just did a whole bonus episode on nine myths surrounding sex based on a 2022 sex survey, which was fun. If you haven't heard that, go listen to it. <laughs> Do you think that improving your sex life could improve your overall quality of life? If you guys answered yes, you're not alone. So you may have heard us talk about this in a recent episode. And according to a new study from Hims, 63% of people feel the same way. Sex is great. It makes you glow. It makes you healthier, happier. I mean, I love sex. Who so, doesn't? <laughs> I think we should embrace that energy. So on that note, when there's something that is impacting your sex life, maybe erectile dysfunction, whatever it is, it can be hard to know who to turn to for help. And HIMS provides simple access to trusted treatments. So if you want to learn more, you can go to forhims.com slash skinny to get started for free. Basically, what HIMS does is it's going to connect you with a licensed healthcare provider who can prescribe proven treatments all from home, which is amazing. The more you can do at home, the better. So it's never been simpler to treat ED and early climax from home. Skip the doctor's office and head to forhims.com slash skinny to start your online visit for free. That's forhims.com slash S-K-I-N-N-Y. And you should know, statistic based on a survey of 7,234 respondents in HIMS and HERS nationally representative survey, survey conducted in April 2022, prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Subscription required. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. Narcissists view people as objects. And so they will only move towards you if they need something or can benefit in that particular moment. They'll say like, oh my gosh, like your dad was an alcoholic and left when you were five. Oh my God, my dad left when I was five. No, they didn't. And so they'll make it like they share these same vulnerabilities. If you ever get in an argument with me, I can say, I'm not your dad. Don't think I'm like leaving you. Calm down. You're being crazy. That's what they do. If there's one thing that I know for sure, Michael... It's that everyone who is listening most likely has an experience with a narcissist in their life. The question is, is it a regular narcissist or an extreme narcissist? And do you know the difference? We're about to tell you. And let me tell you, I have dealt with narcissists in my life. And this episode, I was taking notes. This episode gives you all the tools on how to handle narcissists how to set boundaries with them, how to recognize them, how to deal with them if they're in your family, how to deal with them if you're dating one, how to deal with them if they're your child. Literally, we covered it all. If there was a like workbook handbook on narcissist in audio format, this is it. And this is an interesting topic. We've discussed it before and we've had people like Robert Greene on here touch on the subject and you know explain kind of the general traits of a narcissist and how to deal with them. But having Dr. Jamie Zuckerman on the show is a game changer because this is all she does. This is what she studies. So who is Dr. Jamie Zuckerman? Dr. Jamie is a Pennsylvania-based licensed clinical psychologist in private practice. She specializes in the treatment of adults with mood disorders, anxiety, relationship stress, and psychological symptoms associated with medical illness. She is a frequent speaker on various mental health topics, media contributor to online publications, and is a nationally known expert on narcissism. This episode covers every single thing you need to know. And my advice, this is a little manipulative and Machiavelli. If you have a narcissist that you're dating, turn this episode up. And run. And run. And you guys are going to find out why. On that note, let's welcome Dr. Jamie to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. What is the main trait by far of a nar narcissist? If someone's listening and maybe they're living with one, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. What is the main trait that you have seen across the board be the common denominator of a narcissist? I would say lack of empathy or faking empathy. And just the rules don't apply to them. They apply to everybody else but them. So is someone like Ted Bundy a narcissist? Because obviously he lacked empathy for his victims. So Ted Bundy is more of what we would call antisocial personality disorder, which is sociopath. So they overlap. But with Ted Bundy, 
and sociopath behavior, they cause harm to others out of enjoyment. Whereas with a narcissist, they'll cause harm to others, not necessarily because they want to watch and get enjoyment from it, but it's because they're in the way of whatever the narcissist needs at that moment. It's because they're so focused on themselves and they don't even realize what... They know. They realize. They don't care. I want to go back to someone's childhood. Does someone become a narcissist out of the womb or is it something that that can happen as you go on? Is it something that can happen when you're an adult? Like how does one become a true real narcissist? Mm -hmm. So there's research on both ends. There's research on it being genetic, hereditary. Some brain studies have shown that brains of a narcissist actually look different functionally and organically from somebody who's not a narcissist. But most people, most therapists, most psychologists will tell you that it really is something that's learned from patterns of behavior growing up in your childhood. And that doesn't mean that your parent or parents have to be narcissists. It just means that the patterns were very toxic and very unhealthy. And as children, we really develop strategies to help us get through life because kids are smart like that. And we come up with ways to survive. So so what would those patterns be? Are there like things you can pinpoint that happen in childhood? Anything from being a golden child of the family, you can do no wrong. The rules just totally don't apply to you when there's no consequences. The example I always give, even this is more sociopathic. So I don't know if Lacey Peterson. Uh-huh. Okay. So he murdered her and his and his baby, unborn baby, right? And when they interviewed his mother, it was so disturbing and chilling to me. She just talked about how amazing he was and how wonderful he was and that this wasn't true. And I'm thinking there wasn't even an apology or a, I can't imagine what the other family is going through. So it was it, it, it was this golden child image that it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing's ever wrong. So you have no consequences. So as you grow up into adulthood and you do something and there's consequences, well, they don't apply to you. So the parent could be reinforcing this behavior it's interesting yes. that you say Scott Peterson because I've read a lot of books on mm-hmm. that case, and you're that is if uh, that Didn't gives his me chill. Freak you. He his is the definition of a narcissist. Like if I, I, I never would have like thought that until you yes. said it. That is the like if anyone wants to see what that looks like. I do like. not treat Scott Peterson, but think about it. When he, why did he kill her? Not to watch her suffer, but she was in the way of living his life the way he wanted to. So he removed her, and she was pregnant. She was pregnant with it with. Mm-hmm. his child let me let me ask you are there like levels to this like if there's a level one narcissist and a level four being like that's so extreme like yeah. maybe you can have a little bit of narcissism but it's you're still functional or yes. is it so with narcissists and growing up so so the golden child one example another could be just a toxic environment right where somebody is an alcoholic or there's a lot of abuse and they're very or you just so overbearing of the children and never let them make decisions nothing they do is good enough there's so many variations of this but as far as narcissists go. Narcissistic personality disorder is the diagnosis. And that is all of the criteria of the DSM, which is just a psychiatric kind of manual that we use. But if you look at narcissism on a continuum, you'll find that people have what's called narcissistic traits, right? And narcissistic features. So somebody who has narcissistic features, let's say, could be somebody that is very outgoing, very outspoken, very confident, very motivated. A lot of CEOs, people that own businesses or just athletes. But that's healthy. See you later. No, it's not. I don't like saying healthy narcissism because narcissism is, is not. I don't think that's a fair way to say it. But traits like that can be very motivating, help you become successful, things like that. But you also have awareness of it. You know that you're not going to operate like you do as a CEO at home with family and friends. You know when to rein it in and when not to. And you have awareness of that. You know the impact it has on the people you're around. It's so, funny you say that. We were talking, was it yesterday or the other day? We were talking and I said, probably both of us to some degree, you have to be a somewhat kind of crazy to assume that you could take on something and build it out of nothing and then 100%. helm it up. And I, and I think in a way it drives you, but I'm a, to your point, I am aware that it can also be an ugly trait if it's not managed correctly. Cor- ex- exactly. So that makes you healthy. No, I, wouldn't go that, I wouldn't go that far. But that makes you narcissistic healthy. Joseph Foster. I was telling Lauren, I was like, shit, are we, are we going to do this episode? Is this like an, an expose on me? I was like, I'm not gonna no, 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 no. If you're asking, honestly, this is what I tell people. I'm like, oh my God, am I narcissistic? And they search about it. If you're doing that, you're, you're most likely not because a narcissist, true narcissist, not only are they not going to care 
But they're above a label of a narcissist. What happens when a narcissist becomes a parent? Like you yeah. said that the parent doesn't need to be a narcissist to have a narcissist. Before you answer that, the, yeah. we, can you finish going through the levels just yeah. so I can understand? Like, if, okay, if, if say someone that fixed the characteristics of what you described before is like a level one and it could be managed and it's healthy, what would be level two? Someone who's more a little more severe, you mean? So yeah. somebody who, let's say, has awareness, but not the greatest level of awareness. It's really about awareness and empathy. So the more awareness that somebody has that they're doing that with no care in the world to fix it, change it, even when they know it's hurting other people, that kind of takes you further down the spectrum. Full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, there really is, there is zero empathy. None. They will never change. Are they and not aware of it? They're aware. Oh, they're aware. They're okay. aware that they're harming people. They don't care. So Kanye West vibes. I'll say it. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I said it. So, I mean, he, if if somebody were to ask somebody like a Kanye West, you know, are you a narcissist? Narcissists are. They don't fit into any label in their mind, right? Because labels are for everybody else. So it it wouldn't even it wouldn't even matter. That's narcissistic that labels are for everybody else. Though. Yeah. For narcissists. Right. Like right. if you tell them that, you know, because like they're better than a narcissist. Right. Like they, they don't fit into category. They're above categories. Hence the rules don't apply. Correct. Right. Exactly. So what happens when the narcissist becomes apparent to the child? So mom narcissist and dad narcissist play out very differently in a family. Do you care which one we start with? Let's, uh, no, we don't care okay. which one you start okay. with. Okay. <laughs> we'll start with dads. We'll start with dads. Dad narcissist tends to be very uninvolved. They tend to be at the same time very controlling of what goes on in the family. They tend to control the finances. They control who goes where, when, all of that stuff. Even everything down to how the kids dress, what schools they go to. And not in, you know, I always went to private school. I want our kids to go to private school. Not like that. No, perfect. Because I have yeah, no control. Right, right, I have absolutely right. no control. So <laughs> now I'm in the clear. <laughs> and they look at their children as in the way, in the way of them living their lives, in the way of getting them to do what they want to do, to make money, to whatever it is. And they're very hands off and they're very disconnected. Nothing they ever do. The kids, nothing they ever do is good enough. will never measure up. Mom narcissists look at their children, particularly daughters, as extensions of themselves, like a, like a handbag. Like they don't exist separate from the mom. Any effort they make to be autonomous, so going off to college, having a boyfriend, girlfriend, moving across the country, whatever, is viewed as inconsiderate, abandonment, kind of how dare you, I raised you, you don't, you don't do this to me. Holy shit, Jeanette McCurdy from Nickelodeon just wrote a book about her mother that <laughs> yes. says, I, I'm glad my, my mom mother died. Said, yes. And I read yes. that book and yes. that is exactly The book correct. is titled, I'm yes. glad my mom yes. died. Wow. Yes. That is exactly how she describes her yep. mother. She's She gets her first boyfriend when she's like 21 yep. and she goes to Hawaii and she's, she's on this vacation secretly behind her mom's back, not telling yes. her mom that she's there because she's scared of her mother's reaction. And the paparazzi pick up pictures of her with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And her mother writes her this email that is, I almost had to stop reading the book it's because so it's uncomfortable. so uncomfortable the way she talks to her daughter. Like, basically, you're a disgusting pig. Yes. For you to think that you can just get a boyfriend without me being involved. And it's classic what mm -hmm. you're saying. Mm -hmm. But Jeanette doesn't seem narcissistic at all in the book. So it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't necessarily breed a narcissist. No, sometimes it breeds very high level people pleasers. So they are so worried because their love their whole lives was contingent on whether or not they did something their mom agreed with or didn't agree with, right? And so mom narcissists will withhold attention and affection at literally no reason whatsoever. There's no rhyme or reason. And that's what keeps people so hooked because it's like an addiction. Sometimes you get that spur to dopamine, sometimes you don't. And so it keeps people, especially in relationships, just sucked in. And so all they do is try to people please in the hopes that no one will get mad at them or that they'll love them and everything's walking on eggshells. But that's that book. Yes, 100%. That's so, what that is. Yeah. You've got to read that book. So, if you have not read that yeah. book, that mother is like the most, that everything mm -hmm. you're describing is exactly how the mother was. Yeah, you owe them. You owe them their yes. life. That's but exactly say, what she said. Say, mm -hmm. So, this is what I'm trying to figure out. Say you come from a family where narcissism is not exhibited at all. What external events, 
you know, say you don't have a parent that like what what creates a like the first generation narcissist? Mm -hmm. It could be anything from generational trauma. It could be trauma growing up from, you know, some other outside experience, let's say. It could be partially genetic, too. There is that component to it. But whatever it is, is also fostered within the family. So let's say you were sexually assaulted when you were younger and the event was so traumatizing and your family itself was something that happened outside the family, but your family itself is very sweet and very nice, but no one talks about anything. So you are not directly, but indirectly shamed, feel guilty, feel horrible. And so you put up this facade, let's say, I'm just hypothetical, that, that everything is perfect. And anything that damages that perfect facade instantly targets your shame and you can't have that. So that's an example of how somebody may develop as a child strategies to never let that happen and develop kind of narcissism as a result of that. I have someone that I know that is a narcissist, but her sibling is not a narcissist mm -hmm. at all. In fact, the sibling is the opposite of a narcissist. What happened there if it's the same two set of parents and the mm -hmm. same kind of trauma? I always find that so fascinating. You could have two people raised in the same household, same experiences. They perceive those experiences so differently because for a couple of reasons. One, just their genetic makeup's different. Their brain chemistry is different. Two, their parents, you know, when you're a parent of more than one child, right, you love them both equally, but your interactions with them are different, right? Also, they have like, different needs. Also, like, if one's way older than the other, it's different. Yep, yep. And what you'll find is the older children let's say, who left the house before abuse started, the second child will always feel like the older child had no awareness of the type of abuse that they actually experienced. And so it's a very different scenario. You easily could have one child be a narcissist and the other one not because I have a lot of patients who will come to me because of their relationship with their siblings. Hmm. Is one is a narcissist. Do you know Robert Greene? Are you familiar with his writing? He wrote like 48 Laws of Power, Master mm -hmm. the... So he, he came on here and was talking... Like one of the topics he talks about in one of his books, The Laws of Human Nature is Narcissist. And Lauren, tell me if I'm wrong. He was saying that it's one of the hardest disorders to deal with because it, it's... Tell me if I'm... It's mm -hmm. almost incurable or not curable. Or mm -hmm. like you can't reason with the person at all to, to, to treat it. Is that correct? He's correct. And I, I get yelled at all the time for this, but as a psychologist, for me to say that something is not treatable psychologically takes a lot for me to be able to say that. It is the only diagnosis. So what do you do? Nothing. They don't come in for treatment. And it's so their if you significant have someone, others. And so, oh, so you have to treat, so basically you help the other people. Yeah. In their life. You can't treat it. If you try to solve it by logic, you just kind of make it worse. You actually have to look at it so illogically to make sense. Someone else came on the show Finding Mastery and they, I said, I asked the same question and he said it's intreatable too. So it's like confirming what you're saying. And he, yes. And he said, all you can do is put him on stage. That's what he told me. I'm like, I, I know some, like someone in my life. What do I do? He just said, put him on stage. You have to put such boundaries up and consistent boundaries, consistent. I say, if you can't set a certain boundary, don't set it at all. So give us examples, like say someone is friends. Let's do friends because mm -hmm. that's more broad mm -hmm. with a narcissist. And they're going to continue to be friends because say they've been friends forever. How do you deal with it? Like step by step. Yeah. So I think first is when you have the understanding that they're a narcissist, you really need to put everything aside and ask yourself, do you remain friends with this person because you're nervous to not be? Are you remaining friends with this person because they actually give you something supportive and in some way enhance your life? I'm going to say they probably don't enhance your life in any way possible. And they are probably that friend that absolutely drains you when you're with them. That's just a common, like, that's typically what you've yeah, seen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Friends that are narcissists tend to be extremely competitive. They don't have your best interest in heart. You know, we always say, you know, be careful of the people that don't clap for you when you succeed. It's those people that we're talking about. And set serious boundaries with them. Only respond to them in texts and emails with facts. Any emotion words you never put in. Keep your conversations with them based on facts and times and plans. But anything that goes outside of that, you, you don't respond. So don't ask them about their opinions on your boyfriend or your girlfriend or if you look good in this outfit or none of that. You and have is it to because they can acknowledge facts, but they can't acknowledge feelings? They can acknowledge facts. I say the feelings aspect because that's what narcissists love. They love to like latch on to 
any topic that they can manipulate and throw back to make you feel less than. Facts you can't do that with. But any type of emotions, like, do you like my hair like this? Should I get it cut short? That kind of stuff in a friendship, that's exactly what happens. I also notice, too, if you give them any kind of reaction back. Anything. An emotional thing, they gaslight you and turn it around on you, even though they're the ones that are in the wrong. So what I have found that works for me with a specific person is not to respond until Mm -hmm. the next day, not to respond. And like you said, it has to be so logical and almost flatline. Yep. If you give a little bump, they they just prey on it. Yeah. And then then they'll turn the fight around that they started onto you and pretend like you're the one that started it when you don't even want the text message anyway. That's right. And then what happens when they do that, before you know it, you're defending yourself about something that you don't even know how it got to that when the whole topic and the point of the initial conversation is gone. And that's exactly what they what they want. So could a narcissist, like say you're an extreme narcissist, be listening to this, but they can't even acknowledge that this potentially could be them. Is that correct? They may notice that the behaviors are similar, but they'll still look at it as, I mean, I wouldn't do it like that. Like, that's not me. They wouldn't be able to like, oh, this is me. I really got to solve this. They would be like, no, no. There's, a re- there's a reason why there's an out. Correct. One thing that is a non-negotiable in my morning routine is my lemon ginger chlorophyll water. I'm sure you've heard me talk about this multiple times. Chlorophyll is filled with benefits. The thing that I notice the most is it gives me energy and it's really, really good if ever I'm in altitude. It immediately makes me feel better. It's good for your blood, your immunity, so many things. And Saqqara makes the best chlorophyll drops. I also got the packet that it comes in and in the packet are beauty water drops. So you have chlorophyll and the beauty water, which is just like minerals. So I do like a squeeze of each in my water every single morning. And I just feel like it jazzes up my water. If you're looking to jazz up your wellness in general, you have to check out Saqqara. It's an incredible company, you guys. I actually interviewed the founders years ago on the blog. And then I think we had them on two years ago, too, on the podcast. And their mission is incredible. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine, and they're on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. So if you're looking for a meal delivery service and you want something that's really healthy that you know you can count on, you have to check out their chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. They're made with plant-based ingredients that help boost your energy, support digestion, and curb your sugar cravings. Everything on the site is a no-brainer. The owners really vet whatever they're promoting. And I appreciate that. They really care. But when you're on the site and you're grabbing your wellness essentials, make sure you get that chlorophyll. It's such a great way to start the morning. And also the beauty drops are awesome if you want to up your minerals. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakaracom slash skinny or enter code skinny at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash skinny to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash skinny. quick break to talk all about Element. This entire year, we have been talking about how important proper supplementation is for overall performance and not only physical performance, but most importantly, mental performance. Element definitely makes the cut when we think about what's in our supplement rotation. Both Lauren and I take this stuff almost every day and for sure on the days when we're working out. So what is Element? Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt, no sugar. It contains science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Dare I say it's also tasty? No BS artificial ingredients, no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And like I said, electrolytes are so important for the body, including benefits like hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, fluid balance. It can also help prevent headaches, which has been a huge thing for me because as you guys know, I get a ton of headaches. And since I've been on Element, I haven't really gotten any. Also, when you sweat, your sodium and electrolyte levels are getting depleted. So like I said, every workout, we put this in our drinks to use during the workout. The added benefit here is that we keep our electrolytes and you get a better workout in. So obviously, if you're getting a better workout in, you're winning on all levels. And right now, Element is offering our 
listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or show Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash skinny. This deal is only available through our link. You must go to drinklmnt.com slash skinny. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have absolutely nothing to lose. You know what's weird? I have empathy for narcissists because it makes me feel like they've been through so much trauma that they're trying to, like, I feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, like, you've been through so much trauma that you have to literally create, like, a persona or, like, a shield. Mm -hmm. I think the difficulty, though, is they don't realize they need help and you can't help. And so then basically what you're doing, and I'm going to use a weird analogy, but you're, like, you're, you're... Staying on a sinking ship to both of your detriment as opposed to just saying like, okay, like you're, yes. you are not help. We can't help you. I got to go help myself. Yes. Instead of just saying, okay, like we can't help you and I'm going to just go down with you anyways. Yep. And a lot of people do. And this is exactly that. I love that. I may take that. <laughs> take it. It's all yours. This is, this is exactly why I tell people don't go to couples therapy with a narcissist. Narcissists have such nuanced behaviors that you really have to know what they are. And so I'll have people that go into couples therapy and the the therapist will say, you should go on date night, which is the total opposite of what you would tell somebody in a narcissistic relationship to do. And a lot of times they'll gaslight the patient in the session. So they're totally invalidated. They feel even more crazy than they are because the gaslighting makes them feel like they're losing their mind. And that's the whole point of it. So I always tell people, get your own therapy. You get help and figure out how to get out of this. I actually know a narcissist who went to therapy with their significant other and actually ended up leaving four therapists. Like all of a sudden the therapist became the problem. Is that normal? Yeah. If the therapist realizes what the narcissist is and starts setting boundaries in the therapy and starts kind of gently calling them out on these things, you'll get one of two things. Either they'll get up and walk right out or they'll say, that therapist is horrible. We're not going back. I'll find somebody else. And they'll find somebody until they find someone where they can perform their, their you know, their act for them and get, and, and they're relieved. But what's a therapist, I'm just putting myself in a therapist, what are they supposed to do when they realize they're dealing with someone like that if they know as a therapist that they can't help that person? Is it just then about the other person? Or what if it's somebody that's one-on-one? You're just like, I can't help you. So if it's one-on-one with the person, the partner of the narcissist. Or no, with I guess the narcissist, you're saying the narcissist wouldn't be there alone. Okay, Mm so if it's on the couple and the person, the therapist realizes, they just are like, okay, sorry, I can't help you. And then it becomes the focus on helping the partner. Yeah, well, what they can do is slowly and gently bring up scenarios where, you know, clearly they know they're a narcissist. So they do things like, you know, set boundaries in the session to kind of, bring up exactly what's happening, but not in a way where they're accusatory. And the reason why they do it is because without directly saying it, they want the partner of the narcissist to feel validated and not crazy. And so that's what what a skilled therapist would try to do very kind of in, in a subtle way, kind of align with the other person and saying like, I, I see you, I get you, you're not crazy. This isn't your fault. Okay, let's say you you have a daughter. And let's say she's in a relationship with with a, a man that she's been married to for 15 years and is a narcissist. Knowing what you know, would you tell her to leave? Yeah. You would. Yes. So it's it's fucking hopeless, is it's what you're hopeless. saying. So you're saying, okay, let's say let's, I just got like sick when you said my daughter. I like, yes, a hundred percent. So if, yeah. okay, let's say you had to stay in the relationship for some reason or mm-hmm. another. Maybe like, you know, you're relying on them financially, whatever it is. How, what are the tools that someone can do to deal with this person? Like, can you give us tangible tools? Mm -hmm. So if, whenever I start working with someone, I always ask them two questions and tell them, you don't have to answer this now, but this is what I want you to get a sense of. Are you trying to work to leave them? Or do you need me to help you figure out a way to stay in this as carefully as possible? Because the other problem is it is a lot of times they're in you know, they're being verbally abused, physically abused, often sexually abused, and it's it's and financially abused so that they can't leave. Tangible things, if they want to stay in the relationship, we start with boundaries and there's all different types of boundaries. I tell them to, if it's safe, set up a bank account that nobody else knows about, do it through a friend so that you have some money set aside for yourself 
I tell them to maintain at least one person in their circle. Because what happens is a narcissist does a really good job of isolating you from family and friends so that nobody can know about your abuse. And if you do tell them, they make it like you're crazy to everybody so nobody believes you. So I always tell them to keep one person in their circle that they can always confide in and always talk to so they never feel alone. And to tell that person to reach out to them if they kind of fall off the face of the earth because you need to maintain that contact. Things like the texting and the emailing, if they're stalking you, if they're constantly texting you, if it's safe. Again, this is all with if it's safe. You want to set boundaries, exactly what you were saying, the facts. You give them no emotions. It is so neutral and so flat Even if they try to get anything out of you, you just respond, your tone of voice, your eye contact, your body posture, no emotions, just facts. And that's honestly really all you can do. I tell people to try to get out of their house as much as they can, try to not be around them as much as possible, which is why the pandemic was an absolute nightmare for people. As a doctor doing what you do, and maybe this is going to sound out of touch or harsh, is there ever really a reason that you actually can't leave? Or are these just things we tell ourselves? Meaning, mm-hmm. like when I hear these stories, and obviously I'm not in the situation, sure. my brain in, like immediately goes to like, there's absolutely no reason in the world enough for me to stay. Like I'll, I, I would yeah. figure something again. All figure, right, let me spin this. No, wait, hold on. What if the narcissist is your child? Sure. Well, that you have to live with. No, 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 but we're no, talking, but, but hold on, but what hold if on. It is? We're using a different example. You can't now, leave. Uh, no, but I'm talking about for the example of a couple. Like a relationship. No, relationship. Like as bad as it can be, say you end up no money, you know, no job, like all, like I feel like these are things you can eventually build back up without having to go through a life of misery. But yeah. so is it, I, I don't know, I could be yeah. like, you know, get what I'm asking? Yeah. You? So, so when you're not, when you're in a toxic relationship that's not narcissistic, right? So if you're in an abusive relationship that's not narcissistic, the, you can still use logic for yourself on how to get out of that. When you're in a narcissistic relationship, you have been so conditioned yeah. and so almost brainwashed by gaslighting and manipulation. Stockholm syndrome. Correct. Correct. And so you don't even realize until years down the road, sometimes 20, sometimes never, years down the road that, that, you, you, that you were even in an abusive relationship. You had no idea. So you all this time, they're slowly isolating you and it's slowly, it's like a trickle. So you don't realize it until later on. The problem is, is once you start to realize this and you make sense of this, one, you probably have no assets or money to your name on purpose. You probably don't have a car in your name on purpose. You definitely don't have any friends or family that are close and that's on purpose. And the highest point of danger when somebody is leaving the relationship with a narcissist that's the time that's that's the scariest part that's when there's higher risk that they're going to be harmed is when they leave it's interesting because the people i can think of three people that i know that are narcissists and some are good friends some are not but like extreme like we're talking about or just extreme of all three people i can think of and the mate that they have all has the common denominators of the same trait. So what is the mate doing to attract the narcissist? I like to, I'm a big fan of accountability. So if I'm with a narcissist, what am I doing that's putting it out there that's pulling the narcissist in? Because the traits that I can think of 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 these partners are submissive. People pleasing. People pleasers. Quiet, and I'm going to pull it back to the beginning of the people pleaser. Maybe they grew up with a narcissistic parent, so they're attracted to the narcissist. They've been taught their needs come second. Yes, right. And, right. and every single person that's, it's it's all the same kind yeah. of person. What so, do their names rhyme with? <laughs> so, so, here, so here's the problem with that. Every single one of us, if we don't know the signs, are susceptible to a narcissist. All of us. Even, even the smartest, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. It doesn't matter how smart you are. So the reason in the beginning is because they do what's called love bombing, which is this really quick, really fast. The narcissist does The this. narcissist okay. in the beginning. So let's say, for example. All the narcissists did this to who I'm talking all about. All of them. All of them. And they'll do it with the next one. And there's a cycle. There's three stages. So love bombing is the first. So it's the people that they'll go on a date and they'll say, oh my, where have you been my whole life? You're my soulmate. I've been waiting for you. It's so crazy. We like have our own language. Have you ever felt like this before? This is so intense. And then they'll talk about how the sex is so intense. I've never had anything like this before. Gifts and vacations and 
all of this stuff and you meet the families and it's it's like too good to be true. So I tell people, and I'm not joking when I say this, if you hear soulmate, and I know I get people like, well, I met my soulmate and we're so married. Great. But you're like 1%. If you hear you're my soulmate, I love you. Where have you been? And and this, it feels like a whirlwind. You've been knocked off your feet. Run, run. The problem is that when you don't know about love bombing and you're getting that, especially if you've been in bad relationships or whatever, it feels so good. Who the hell wouldn't want to be in that? What's the opposite of love bombing? That's what I did to Michael. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, get away from me. You're annoying like a gnat. (laughs) For 10 fucking years. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So yeah, so I mean, so you can see how it's tricky. And so what happens is once they're in that, then the mask falls off. Then what's called the devaluing stage occurs, which is where it starts to get a little like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if I would have cut your hair like that. I really like it shorter. Or So it's like you've brought them so far up and now you start cutting them down. Yep. Then they'll say like, you know, your, your friends, your college best friends. I don't, I don't, there's something about her. I don't, I don't, I can't put my finger on it. And you, you think they're so good and so charming because they've been that way. And so it's very, very slow. And then the abuse starts. And the problem is because it's like an addiction, that person is constantly seeking. I just want that person back from the beginning. The problem is that person never existed. And in the first place, it was all an act to get you into the situation. So when you say, what, do you, like, what traits do these people have in the beginning? That's not really it. It's what traits do these people have during where they don't feel they can get out. And I have a feeling, and I don't know the data on this, but my guess would be, People pleasers in particular are so conditioned to put their needs second that when this starts to happen, it feels familiar to them, just like you said. I mean, it's so crazy, too, how you can look across the board at the narcissist that you know and look at their mate and be like, oh, my God, they're all married or dating people pleasers. Mm -hmm. I mentioned something earlier. Michael said that if he was, you know, married to a narcissist, that he would leave. But then I asked him, what if your child yeah. is a narcissist? What do you, what do, you well, do? I didn't say I would leave. I would just understand. Like, I was trying to you understand why options. someone couldn't realize they, they could leave. They don't even, they don't even realize, they don't realize it's, it's an option. Yeah. yeah. What if you have a child that's a narcissist and you're a parent who's not? Mm-hmm. It's very, very upsetting. It's very upsetting because, listen, I mean... As parents, you know, our kids could do the most horrific thing in the world and we could be so beyond disappointed and and traumatized, but we'd still love them, right? So it's very difficult for parents to see that type of behavior when there's no empathy and they don't care. I mean, they'll, they'll steal from you, they'll lie to you, they could care less. And so a lot of times parents have to almost treat it as if it's an addiction and you have to set so many strict boundaries, which I can't even fathom, but set so many strict boundaries that you really cut yourself off from them. And exactly like you had said before, very brief text messages, everything in writing, always everything in writing. If it's not in writing, it never happens and they will contort it, twist it. So your relationship with them will never be what you had dreamt it would be. And there's a grieving process that takes place you're never going to have the relationship with your child that you want. And oftentimes parents feel so guilty. They feel like they did something wrong that they'll constantly give in to their narcissist that's a child because they feel like, you know, it's it, it makes them feel, it takes away their own anxiety and their own guilt, but they don't realize that by not setting boundaries with their child, they're actually, you know, contributing to that. So it's so very it's like difficult. a drug addiction. It's like if a drug you're, addiction. If you're going to continue to enable the narcissism, yeah. then it's just going to get worse for you. Mm-hmm. What I notice of of parents of of narcissists is is what you just said is there's this layer of heavy guilt. And now that I'm a parent, I can't even imagine. It's such it's such an unfortunate situation because mm-hmm. it's a what do you do? Not much except mourn the loss of the really kind of like what I tell my patients whose parents are narcissistic. You know, you're going to have to mourn the loss of this relationship with your mother that you hoped you would have. When you really realize that you're never going to have that, you it's a grieving, it's it's a it's grief, it's loss. And so, except the person's still alive. If you're a narcissist, how am I going to Are you, all, do you also have other personality disorders or is it only, you can only be a narcissist and not 
Like, could you be narcissist? Could you be a bipolar and narcissist, or can you only be a narcissist? You know, you can, so bipolar is what we call an axis one diagnosis, which means it's it's within their awareness. They know they have bipolar disorder. It causes them distress. You know, they will they will go and get they're medication aware. for it. They're aware of it. They know what it does. When they're in a manic stage, sometimes it can look like a personality disorder because you're not logical. You're not thinking straight. The rules don't apply. You're grandiose in your ideas. You know, thinking these you know very large thoughts and and you know spending a ton of money. And so, that aside, bipolar disorder, it's they know they have it. They're aware of it. They know it's something they need to work on, whether they do or not. That's up to them. Whereas narcissistic personality disorder is pervasive in every area of somebody's life. It's how they view themselves in relation to others, how they view other people in relation to them. Whereas bipolar disorder, it's there. It's a brain disease, but it but it's only it's like situational almost. This episode is brought to you by Gravity. Gravity is giving me a better sleep on so many levels. First of all, if you have not tried a weighted blanket, let me tell you about it. If you're one of those people that says they're going to be in bed at nine o'clock and then you end up not getting to bed till 12 and sometimes you're laying and you're tossing and turning and it's one o'clock, you need a weighted blanket. So what I've done with my nighttime routine that's changed the game is I do not look at my phone past nine. So I put my phone in another room. I get my Kindle. I turn it on the lowest light. So I'll put it on like one. I dim the lights in my room. I turn on my red light and I get under my weighted blanket. And what that weighted blanket does is it just relaxes your nervous system. When I lay under my weighted blanket, I immediately feel like I'm being hugged. And I feel like it just releases those relaxation hormones, helps you like chill out and recover. And before you know it, you're drifting off to sleep. It's a huge help if you have trouble sleeping. I like it better than anything. It's just like an essential when it comes to de-stressing and getting ready for bed. My daughter loves it. Sometimes we get under it together. And even if I want to take like a quick power nap in the middle of the day, that rarely happens. But if I do get a minute to go under that blanket and meditate is unbelievable with headphones on. And here's the best part about this company. If you sleep hot, they have a new cooling blanket that has a cover that's made from cooling eucalyptus. So you're not super sweaty because I know people will be like, oh, weighted blanket, sweaty. No, you have to try their cooling blanket. That's the move. I like to sleep cool. So I get it. And of course, we've worked out an exclusive deal to get Skinny Confidential listeners 15% off any Gravity product. You should know they make weighted robes, sleep masks, and a bunch of other cool stuff is on their site. You're going to visit gravityblankets.com skinny and use code skinny. Get ready for the best sleep of your life. One of the most popular guests on the show came out of nowhere late last year and then has been on multiple times this year, Shervine from Symbiotica. And we have absolutely fallen in love, not only with Shervine, but all of his supplements at Symbiotica. I'm not joking when I say I think I'm their best customer. And obviously, they're also a partner of the show. So to be their best customer and be a partner of the show must say something because I think I buy literally everything they have. Here's the thing. Recently, I got sick. I went on a bachelor party and then I had to fly to New York. As Lauren and I just shared, we just went out there for a night and I came back almost sick as a dog. And what I realized is I ran out of my Symbiotica supplements and did not place an order in time. I didn't have my vitamin C. I didn't have my glutathione. I didn't have my D. I didn't have my B12. And I haven't been sick since I've been on Symbiotica. And as soon as I got off, boom, I got sick. You could probably still hear it in my voice. So I placed a huge order, thank God. And here's what I got. I got the vitamin C, which is extremely important. We all need to be supplementing vitamin C. I got the vitamin D3 and CoQ10. I think that's one of the best and most complete formulas on the market when it comes to vitamin D3. I also got their glutathione, perfect for antioxidant. But like I said, guys, at this point, they have almost everything. One of our favorite things also is the magnesium oil that you use before bed. We take this every night, Lauren and I. We spread it on our bodies and you sleep like a baby. So when it comes to proper formulation, the right mission, the right supplements, Symbiotic is our go-to right now. If you don't believe me just from this read, go listen to any of the episodes with Sherevine. Like I said, just search Sherevine, the Skinny Confidential on any of our episodes and you'll see why we love these supplements so much. And as always, use code SKINNY at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. This is an addition to custom bundle discounts. You can get up to 45% off a massive offer. Create your custom bundle at symbiotica.com and get 30% off. That's C-Y-M-B-I iotika.com use code skinny for 30% off enjoy
All right, so everyone has heard of Lexus. My dad drove a Lexus when I was growing up, and two of my cars in my lifetime have been a Lexus. And let me tell you, they have a new car that just came out, and it is the Lexus RX. It is the best-selling luxury crossover of all time and the best-selling luxury vehicle every year since it was first introduced. Lexus, to me, feels very ahead of the time. And when I saw this car, I was like, big Lexus family. Like, I love Lexuses. Also, my sister drives one. Lauren, did you know the Lexus RX is the best-selling luxury crossover of all time and the best-selling luxury vehicle every year since it was first introduced? I do now. But get this, Lexus has never mistaken being ahead with being at the finish line, so they've reimagined every aspect of the RX. The thoroughly redesigned 2023 RX features heart-pounding design, intelligent technology, and courageous performance. And I know this because we got to see it in person. Model year 2023 RX has a ton of new features that allow you and your car to work together. If you want like a very personalized experience, this is the car for you. It also includes the first ever RX 500HF sport performance hybrid that ups the ante on the RX performance. Not to mention, Lauren, the car is just stunning. It's a beautiful car. Just like the RX, its drivers are people who don't rest on their laurels and are always striving to up their game. The Lexus RX is the perfect vehicle for people who want to venture beyond the expected route and never lose their edge. Never lose your edge with the all-new Lexus RX. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You said a narcissist views what everyone else is doing and they're so busy worried about what everyone else is doing and comparing it to what they're doing. It's almost like a tall poppy syndrome. They want all the poppies to be aligned. They want to be the tallest. Mm -hmm. So let's just make this up. Someone wins an Academy Award. What does the narcissist think about that? Are they comparing themselves if to the person? If they did not win it? Yes. They'll justify it and rationalize it in their mind why they didn't win it. That, but why are they even comparing themselves almost, to the Academy almost, Award winner if they're not an actor? No, but meaning it's almost like they disregard and it's not like they don't. They won't let it in their ether. Like that's not a value. It doesn't penetrate. They'll, they'll justify Correct. why that's not valuable to them or why they Correct. don't need it's it. It's irrelevant. Yeah. It's so they irrelevant. They don't sit there and get jealous because they're they're above whatever that thing is. Is that? It's not that they would get jealous. if they, Let's say they weren't an actor and they're watching this going. It's not that they would get jealous. They would just justify it as, you know, anything from like, well, I mean, it's just an actor. Or, or, or if the, I was an actor. She's lucky. Or she's lucky uh, like her dad this or she got that because she yes. laid on her back. Or it's rigged or right. Exactly. It's well, rigged. what did they do to right. get there? And if I was an actor, of course I'd wait. You know, that kind uh-huh. of stuff. So it's it's almost like irrelevant, right? Because it, it has no impact on their life. It doesn't exist. Narcissists view people as objects. And so they will only move towards you if they need something or can benefit in that particular moment. What turns them off? Like say, say there's someone out there that wants to, they've been in a relationship with the narcissist. What energy can they put out there that's going to turn them off like that? If, for example, in the beginning of the relationship and the narcissist texting you constantly, calling you, sending flowers, things like that, if you call them out on that behavior and say, wait, I, we got, we got to slow this down. This is like, this is too much. They may view that as rejection and you'll either get like, you know, fuck you, you, you know, this and, and angry or they'll just fall off the face of the earth. What I when someone love bombs me, because that's happened to me with friendships, like people will love bomb me like it's like too, it's like too much. Mm-hmm. I won't text back for a week. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep doing that. That's healthy. That's to a healthy boundary. Create, like this is like this is it's too yeah. much. Then you're setting a precedent and you're show you're show, see boundaries are for you, not for the other person. So by doing that, you're showing this person, this is how I want to be treated. Right. And there is such a thing, I think, definitely as like it's like too many compliments, too many like presents, too much. It's yeah. like it's like enough is enough. Because then the the motive's different. The right. function's different. Like they want something in return. Right. They'll never do anything just because it's nice. They'll do it because they want some, yeah, they yeah. want something from you and you owe them. The other thing they do, which is which in the beginning of the love bombing phase is they'll say like, oh my gosh, like your dad was an alcoholic and left when you were five. Oh my God, my dad left when I was five. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> and so they'll make it like they share these same vulnerabilities and you'll get into these oh, really deep God. conversations. You're like tripping me out right now. <laughs> and then what happens is they store it away for later use. Oh. So if you ever get in an argument with me, I can say, so I just went out to dinner. I'm not your dad. Don't don't think I'm like leaving you. I just went to dinner. Calm down. You're being crazy. That's what they do. 
What happens, and maybe this never happens, when a narcissist falls in love with another narcissist? Or does that never happen because that's not the prey that they prey on? So you would think they don't prey on that. But in fact, narcissists don't just go for people who are passive people pleasers. They actually really like people that are very well-known in their field, very smart, successful, wealthy, because they like that spotlight and they want it. But again, because it does something or they think it does something for them. For them. And Mm. they want to take that and they want to use it to their benefit. They don't care what it does to you or your career and they'll sabotage it. They love seeing people who are high up or who are successful. That's why they like to go for people that are married. They like to see people fall apart. They like to be responsible for their demise from a very high up. This is very position. Machiavelli. Like this is like this is I mean, this is diabolical. So why do it they, is diabolical. If they don't ignore yes. if they look at people as objects, <laughs> why do they want to see people fall if they're just looking at them as objects? Because it gets them off. Because it because they're responsible for they're so powerful that they were able to, to tear, to tear somebody down. down. Huh. It makes them stronger. You know what helps me deal with them? Stoicism. I better go for my Rolodex and see who I got 100%. to cut. It's helped me so. If you're dealing yep. with a narcissist, you guys, it's helped me so. You give them nothing. Because I just am stoic. With I won't respond. If, it do, if it's something I can't control, I'll just let it go. If they come at me, I just. Mm-hmm. I they won't. Hate that. I, they, they it's like Hate taking it. the energy out of like the balloon and that has worked so well with, for me if someone is listening and they've decided that they want to break free of a narcissist what are the steps to do that so it depends on the on the relationship if it's a parent right if it's a if it's a coworker if it's your boss if it's a relationship but we'll say an intimate relationships if you realize what you're dealing with and you're listening to this and you're saying, oh my God, this is my life. What do I do? First thing is start in a safe way. I tell people to do it in their notes section on their phone, but start to write down some of the behaviors that you're now looking at and saying, oh my God, I didn't realize that's what that was. Because the thing that gives people the most empowerment is when they start to realize the blueprint of a narcissist behavior. Because I don't care who it is, they are identical. It's almost like, I mean, not really, but it's almost like someone took a microchip and, and plants it in. They're, they're all exactly the same. Like all these traits we've been it's talking about, the some, there's a million listeners could have, you know, a thousand of the same kind of person in their mind right now. It's all the same. And so when you figure out the blueprint, then you can start to predict the behavior. Then you can start to learn how to not respond. Like you were saying, you can predict it so you're not thrown off balance because they love that. And by writing it out, it's easier to start to see the patterns of this blueprint. And I tell people to start there first because also it's validating to see this stuff written down like, oh, all right, I'm not crazy. But if you write it out, make sure it's hidden from That's them. That's what I'm saying. Because Use it in your if, phone. Yep. If they mm-hmm. find it, they will completely gaslight yep. every experience that you have That's and right. say that you're crazy and this never happened. Mm-hmm. And you're, But don't you think if you're at the point of writing this down that that's probably a good indication? I write down everything you do. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, that, that must be riveting. I have a collection. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's all up in my brain. Every Are you available for a session after this? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I need some help. Wink at me if you get what I'm going through here. Uh, how can someone use the book that you have, Find Your Calm? Tell us how they can use this. Sure. So this book is great. It's a It's an interactive journal, but it's not like your typical, like, I'm very, I don't know, self-help books sometimes I think are just kind of, I don't know, mental messiness for lack of a better word. This actually helps you learn how to be present focused, which is really important for gaslighting because you could write down all this stuff and then somebody gaslights you. You never want to tell the narcissist that you figured them out ever because they will gaslight you all day long telling you you're crazy. Your therapist is crazy. Your best friend's crazy. That's not true. They're putting these thoughts in your head. So what this book does is it helps you one, learn how to center yourself so that you can come back to the present moment it teaches you how to, you know, some people are really bad at identifying emotions. They do much better at identifying their physical sensations when they're anxious. Some people get, you know, butterflies in their stomach. I get migraines. So like you figure out what your physical self is telling you. Then it gives you a way to look at your thoughts 
differently. So instead of trying to not think about it, get rid of it, give me a positive for the negative and play ping pong, pong, ping pong back and forth in your head. What this does, it teaches you to look at your thought as just a thought. And what I like about this is if you were to pick a color for narcissism, this is the opposite of total. Opposite. It's common. It's, it's very calm color. Yeah. You guys, it's like a sea foam. And even when you open it up, you I know this sounds so weird. The 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 vibration of it is like opposite of anything diabolical. It is. It's you very, know what I mean? it's very calm. It's super calming and just very beautiful um, book. Thank you. It's Thank learn you. to separate yourself from your anxious thoughts, break unhelpful thought patterns, practice how to confront and manage your fears. And it's called Find Your Calm. It's a workbook to manage anxiety. Jamie. You are amazing. If anybody oh, gives you. me more than two compliments, now I'm going to cut them out of my life. <laughs> Nobody ever does, say anything nice to me. Does talking about your haircut for five days straight after you get it <laughs> count border, as narcissism? Borderline. Listen, we've already, we've already discussed that. <laughs> I really want like just asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Where can everyone find you, your book, Pimp Yourself Out? I, if you're not on TikTok, like you got to get on because I feel like your stuff will go viral. If you are on TikTok, you got to tell us where to find you. I'm on TikTok, but I, have, I just started doing TikTok. So I have to... Yeah. Stuff Get on, on that. TikTok about <laughs> narcissist goes huge. Wild. I, I have I one one more like last question before we go. Yeah. We have a little time. Do people get narcissistic personality disorders mixed up with other disorders yes. and misdiagnose it? Yes. All the because time. Because that would be a tragedy if like, people are listening and they're like, oh, that's a narcissist. There's no Correct. help when maybe they have something else. Oftentimes. Or did I just gaslight everybody? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a really good question. Oftentimes people who have bipolar disorder will get diagnosed, sorry, oftentimes people who have narcissistic personality disorder will get diagnosed as bipolar disorder when it's not. You're trying to treat for bipolar and you're there's no hope because Correct. it's actually this. Correct. Correct. I mean, I'm sure mood stabilizing meds can help the rage in that, but not. it's not something that's treatable by medication. It's, it's just your sense of self is... What's the main distinction between the two so you could differentiate? Bipolar disorder. So bipolar disorder are distinct periods of time where you'd have a major depressive episode for two weeks or more. Then there's a period of time that's just nothingness. Like you're, there's no anything going on. And then you could have a manic episode three years later. People think that mood instability or affect dysregulation. So somebody's inability to monitor their affect, right? It's always flying off the handle, walking on eggshells is bipolar. Mood swings are not bipolar disorder. And what about borderline? So borderline is a little bit different. It can look similar to narcissism in certain ways if you don't know what to look for. Borderline personality disorder, they want close relationships. They are petrified of being abandoned. They are petrified of being thrown away. So there are very distinct treatments for borderline personality disorder. It is hard work. It's lifetime work, but it is treatable. But a narcissist doesn't have those feelings. Correct. And if you guys are interested in borderline personality disorder, we interviewed Mary Lynn. Remember? Yes. She, she came on and shared her experience. Go listen to that episode. Find your calm. Where can we find you? I'm on Instagram at dr. Period Z underscore psychologist, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. My book is on Amazon. It's on Target, Barnes & Noble. My website, drjamiezuckerman.com. And where else can I be found? We're gonna link, we'll find you. Yeah, and link I think everything that's out. it. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. I Thank just learned you. so much from this episode. Oh, I'm going to send this episode to a bunch of people. I know that are dealing <laughs> I'm going to create narcissists. a spreadsheet of everyone I know and start ranking. Whatever yeah, I let's just go tell everyone they're narcissists. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I cannot wait to fill out my workbook. Oh, thank and you for having I me. I hope that you get on TikTok and, and get on. I will. I'm telling you, everyone will freak out. Thank you. Thank, thank you, guys. Wait, don't go. Do you want to win a jar of the Skinny Confidential Times Dough? All you have to do is tell us who you want to see next, here next on the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast. We love your feedback. It's our favorite thing ever. Let me know and we will drop into two of your inboxes and send you guys the pink cookie dough of your dreams. It's so delicious. It tastes like pink frosting. It's nostalgic, all the things. You can also use code SKINNYDOUGH, S-K-I-N-N-Y-D-E-U-X on their site and you get 10% off. With that, check out Dr. Jamie's book, Find Your Calm on Amazon, and definitely listen to her podcast if you want to know more about Narcissist.
Recently, we worked with Hims and Hers in New York City, and it was about all things sex. And we just did a whole bonus episode on nine myths surrounding sex based on a 2022 sex survey, which was fun. If you haven't heard that, go listen to it. (laughs) Do you think that improving your sex life could improve your overall quality of life? If you guys answered yes, you're not alone. So you may have heard us talk about this in a recent episode. And according to a new study from Hims, 63% of people feel the same way. Sex is great. It makes you glow. It makes you healthier, happier. I mean, I love sex. Who doesn't? (laughs) I think we should embrace that energy. So on that note, when there's something that is impacting your sex life, maybe erectile dysfunction, whatever it is, it can be hard to know who to turn to for help. And HIMSS provides simple access to trusted treatments. So if you want to learn more, you can go to forhims.com slash skinny to get started for free. Basically, what HIMSS does is it's going to connect you with a licensed healthcare provider who can prescribe proven treatments all from home, which is amazing. The more you can do at home, the better. So it's never been simpler to treat ED and early climax from home. Skip the doctor's office and head to forhims.com slash skinny to start your online visit for free. That's forhims.com slash S-K-I-N-N-Y. And you should know, statistic based on a survey of 7,234 respondents in HIMS and HERS nationally representative survey, survey conducted in April 2022, prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Subscription required. 